reading, let's turn to Mark 12. Mark 12, and also look in the back of your hymnals to page 934. 934, and then Mark 12. Mark 12, starting at verse 13. This is God's holy word. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him, that is to Jesus, in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. Look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is page 934, chapter 23, section 4. It is the duty of people to pray for magistrates, to honor their persons, to pay them tribute or other dues to obey their lawful commands and to be subject to their authority for conscience' sake. Infidelity or indifference in religion doth not make void the magistrate's just and legal authority, nor free the people from their due obedience to them, from which ecclesiastical persons are not exempted, much less hath the Pope any power and jurisdiction over them and their dominions, or over any of their people, and, least of all, to deprive them of their dominions or lives, if he shall judge them to be heretics, or upon any other pretense whatsoever. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us to understand this, your holy word, but also uh, the confession of our church. And we pray that you would help us to pray for and to honor and to give due obedience to those that you have placed in authority over us. Help us in these things, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So section um, 4 of chapter 23 opens with these words, It is the duty of people to pray for magistrates, to honor their persons, to pay them tribute or other dues, to obey their lawful commands, and to be subject to their authority for conscience' sake. We've touched upon the the necessity of praying for them multiple times, looking at uh, Paul's epistle to Timothy. Um, But herein is a case where it's stressing giving due obedience to the magistrate. 
and the text that is a proof text for this particular section is Mark 12, 13 and following. Remember, um, it's when they were trying to trip up the Lord Jesus and they wanted to ask him whether or not it was right to pay taxes unto Caesar. So then Jesus asked for the denarius and he says, whose inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at his teaching. It's possible that some of the zealous Jews might have wanted to get Jesus to say that he opposed the giving of tithes uh, to Caesar on the basis of why would one want to support pagan rulers who are oppressing the people of Jerusalem or the Jewish people as a whole, the whole nation. Um, You could say um, some people today might use this particular argument as well. Well, why would we want to pay taxes to a government that supports pagan principles and even pagan wickedness and sin? Think about it. All the things that go on in our nation that our government supports, such as abortion, um, taxes used for grooming, or you can call that influencing or persuading children regarding homosexuality and gender confusion. Um, I know someone in particular who works in a local library, and they got books here in Rapids Parish uh, that are promoting these teachings in our local libraries here in Rapids Parish, Louisiana. Um, Elementary schools have these books as well. Our tax dollars go for um, having these books paid for so that they could be in the libraries of the public schools to promote this sort of confusion and corruption Um, and it undermines the Bible's teaching on marriage. Other things that our government supports, Marxist, socialist, critical race theory, the wicked lie of evolution, promoted as fact and um, undermining, again, Holy Scripture. And then we have outright corruption, where we know that there might be those who are corrupting government, and we wonder, well, should I still pay taxes knowing that they're corrupt rulers? Now, my argument here is that some may suspect and some use these arguments as a reason not to pay taxes. Our government promotes sin. Our government promotes wickedness. Our government's pagan. Therefore, I'm not going to pay taxes because why do I want to support wickedness? Well, think about the historical situation. Uh, What was the Roman government like during the life of Christ's earthly ministry? What was the Roman government like during the time when Paul wrote Romans 13? When Paul wrote in Romans 13, 5 and 6, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Because of this, you also pay taxes. Well, what was the Roman government like? Well, taxes used, were used by the people of the Roman Empire to support the Colosseum. And it was also used to support the breaking of the Sixth Commandment for entertainment. That people would go and, and what we call gladiators, would go into the Colosseum and would kill each other for fun or for the, for the entertainment of some. Well, um, maybe the, some of those gladiators didn't want to be there. Maybe they were um, in prison for that or, or maybe that was a punishment. Um, or maybe some, I don't know, they, that was their life. They wanted 
to serve as gladiators, but it was something that was sin and wickedness in the Roman Empire. You had pagan, um, government-supported or state-supported idolatry in the Roman Empire. You had the persecution of Christians during the life of Paul. Uh, one text there that's written into your outline, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 26 and following. I think that's short. I'm sorry. That probably should be 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 16 through 17. I'm not sure. The citation's a little off. He says, I think that it is good in view of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Um, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek to be. Do not seek a wife. Um, this was. Um, um, sorry for my notes being a little messy there. This was because of the persecution in the Rome among the uh, the Roman magistrate persecuting the church. Doctor J. Adams, I never forget mentions that regarding this passage, the present distress was Christians being impaled on spikes and lit on fire while Romans would commit sexual immorality underneath the lights of the burning bodies of Christians. Under those present under that present distress, maybe it's good not to get married. That was the government that Paul taught and said we ought to pay taxes for conscience' sake. Paul's instruction in Romans 13 did not get negated because the Roman magistrates persecuted and even killed Christians. Christians were still required to pay taxes, even to pagan, you could say, add to that, pagan, murderous Rome. And so, in like fashion, we cannot be excused from taxes because there are elements in our government that support immorality and even sin. But what does our government also do, and what did the Roman, uh, Romans also do? They did provide a degree of stability. Um, people could not, um, you couldn't have uh, marauding barbarians come in and destroy and kill uh, your, your entire village because the Romans protected it. And in like fashion, I mean, we, we, we're protected by the police in our, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. And that's one of the reasons why we pay taxes as well, isn't it? So, but even under Roman oppression, Christians were still required to pay taxes. And they were not allowed to withhold taxes as an act of civil disobedience or protest. What was something that they were not allowed to endure was if the Roman officials... Or the, or the Jewish leadership of the community told them, you shall not preach this gospel. If they were told, you shall not speak of the word of this holy Bible, you shall not preach this gospel, then the apostles and other Christians would say, we must obey God and not men. And that's something that they are not allowed to legislate. Section uh, 4 goes on, and it says... Infidelity, uh, that, you could say that's um, religious unbelief maybe. Infidelity or indifference to religion doth not make void the magistrate's just and legal authority, nor free the people from their due obedience to them, with, uh, from which ecclesiastical persons are not exempted. I know that's kind of complex language there, but I think what it's saying in the beginning of this uh, portion here 
is that you know when we think about an atheist they might look at this passage from Mark 12 about giving to Caesar what belongs to Caesar as commanded by Jesus or they might look at Paul's instruction from Romans 13 which also talks about giving unto Caesar um, and to give due obedience they might throw out both passages they might throw out the rest of this Bible because they don't believe in God at all because they're atheists they're they have infidelity or they are infidels unbelievers that doesn't make them free from the obligation to pay taxes based upon being an infidel or unbeliever um, a person who steals from local state or federal authorities should have a conscience that bothers them just like it's written there again in romans 13 5 and 6 it is necessary to be in subjection not only for or because of wrath but also because of conscience sake because of this you also pay taxes you're breaking the eighth commandment if you don't pay taxes you're stealing and you should pay your taxes for conscience sake now if you have ability to hire a very good accountant and you can come with some loopholes or some ways around lawfully to get out of paying taxes without breaking the law do so <laughs> try to do that as much as you can but and, and as far as you can you're not allowed to just outright steal or lie on your tax forms because that would be the breaking of the eighth commandment and it should bother your conscience now this next portion of uh, section four it speaks against the way the roman catholic church sought to exercise authority or what you call jurisdiction that was not given to them by god it says regarding their due obedience to them that's the civil rulers ecclesiastical persons are not exempted much less hath the pope any power and jurisdiction over them in their dominions or over any of their people and at least of all to deprive them of their dominion that's their properties or lives if he shall judge them to be heretics or upon any other pretense whatsoever now this is written here because of what we would call the counter-reformation and one of the things that the the roman church did in the counter-reformation is they sought to undo the reformation they sought to fight against the reformation and uh, oftentimes uh, it was in what they would call an inquisition probably the most famous roman inquisition was the spanish inquisition because of its ruthlessness and it did that what this confession says they shouldn't have done it deprived people of their dominions their properties it deprived people of their lives it vehemently persecuted people tortured people to make them recant of believing what the bible says and basically they were persecuted for saying i believe what this book says and not what the pope says but they the roman church thought they didn't have a right to do that and that's why we had that roman inquisition that which was established in the year uh, 1542 now it doesn't mean that terrible horrible persecution didn't start before 1542 it's just this is when it's a, it um it officially started now this practice of torture or depriving people of their lives or their their properties 
Um, it was something, again, that they did just because people opposed the Roman Catholic doctrine. I do think that there's a degree in which this section needs to be owned by Protestants as well. And you have to remember that what we read in our confession of faith is a modification of what was originally written. This is what we call the American revision, what we have here in this confession. It's not the same thing that the Westminster divines wrote, but there's a greater degree of what we call more of a religious freedom that's of, in America, which is reflected in the writings here. And I, I think it's safe to say that the confession of faith would teach that even if Protestants, Presbyterian Protestants or other Protestants get in positions of authority or power, it's not the right of Protestants to go and take people's property or to go take people's lives or to, to torture or persecute them if they don't believe what we believe. I think that's a fair looking at what this is. We should pray for people. We should witness to people. But we don't go and seek to take their property or to take their lives because they don't believe this holy Bible. Uh, we can't legislate belief systems uh, if we judge uh, others. So if, we, if we, uh, we can't deprive men, women, and children of their lives or properties because we judge them as heretics. Um, in conclusion, again, chapter 23 was a revision by the American Presbyterians. It's a little bit different than what you would have had from the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith. Now, again, this standard that we have, these standards, the Westminster standards, are something that reflects a little bit more of this American religious freedom. Keep in mind, though, when the eight, in the 18th century, when the American Presbyterians revised this document, they were talking about Christians and other Christian groups. I don't believe they had the issue of the Muslim religion ever getting to a degree of prominence in the United States. And I would argue that the, um, the American government and um, those in authority have a, a power and authority to undermine and restrict the teaching of Islam in the United States. Now, why is that? Well, we have a founding document, um, a uh, founding document, the Declaration of Independence. I have a little famous quote here. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, if you have Muslims in America and they're teaching Sharia law, and especially if you have Muslims in America and they're teaching a holy war, which is let's go take the lives and properties of anybody who doesn't believe Muhammad and destroy them. Um, their book actually says when you see the infidels, take off their heads among them until you have a great slaughter. That's what their book says, their holy book written by Muhammad. So if you have a religious group in America that's teaching, let's have a holy war and take off the heads of those who don't believe like we do, that is totally contrary to even the founding of our country. Our founding document having the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can you have 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness when someone wants to take your life for not believing in Muhammad? It's impossible. So again, everything that we talk to about, everything we look at about religious liberty in reference to this Westminster Confession of Faith, you have to take it in light of the history behind it, but also uh, those who want to seek or cause uh, what they consider a holy war, which is not holy, it's wicked. Um, that's something that is contrary to the freedoms of Americans. And I know this is something that's not done by the church, but it's something that's done by our government. Uh, our government in times past, I don't know if they're doing it still now, but they have had the FBI go in and investigate what's being taught in various mosques in our country. And when there is a mosque or there's an, uh, or an, an imam in the mosque who's teaching jihad or let's go kill infidels, these American infidels, they, they are getting, um, they're getting some restriction by our government because it's, an, it's considered uh, somewhat of an act of terrorism, isn't it? So, um, I do think that when we look at this section, section four, God calls us to have due obedience, a measure of due obedience to those who he gave authority over us. But first of all, remember that the ultimate obedience, the absolute ultimate obedience is to God Almighty. But in doing so, we obey the lawful commands of those he has set over us. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, that you have given us um, a magistrate or a ruler for our good, for the protection of, of our lives, for the protection of our properties, that we have a great deal of, of safety here in our community. And we do thank you, Lord, for those in authority who um, take it as a, a calling from you, O oh Father, and we do love that you have given us, and especially in our community, uh, Christian leaders, uh, Christian police force, and many others who seek to uh, protect the people of our community. And Lord, we pray that you would bless all those in authority over us. And we pray especially that you would give them your wisdom by your Holy Spirit and by your word to rule in a way that's pleasing in your sight. And help us as a people, Lord, to give due obedience when that obedience is right and due. And help us to be faithful, Lord, to, to keep your holy commandments. To not sin by stealing in, in um, the area of withholding taxes. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to be upright examples. Especially, we pray, um, that we would submit to your providential hand, even in giving us the rules that we don't like. But we pray that you do raise up many godly leaders. Lord, those who, who oppose your kingdom, Lord, shorten their days. But Lord, we pray, give us godly leaders who love you and love your word. And be with us, we pray. Thank you for these dear saints who've come uh, to answer the call to prayer and to study your holy word. And we pray that you would bless them and keep them. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 544. We'll stand and sing, Lead on, O King Eternal, 544.